0: Hey, Welcome back to The Pod Crashed. Today we're telling the story of TWA Flight 800. Thanks for listening. Hi, Mariah.
1: Hi, Casey. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm good. I am in the living room instead of my room and... Uh. It's a different setup,
1: <laughs> is it? So,
0: yeah. Apologies in advance to Brian if this isn't a good setup. But Uh-oh. with the rain, the rain like raining on the, um, whatever it's called. Ooh, it's gonna Window? be like this today. <laughs> uh, no, the the thing that makes the room cold. Air conditioner. Air Okay, dear friends, darling friends, our best friends, BFFs of the show. <laughs> do you also have a hard time coming up with nouns like on demand? Oof. It is impossible. For it me is literally all the impossible. Time. Oh
1: my gosh, it's so it just difficult gets to stuck just... in my head.
0: Yes, exactly. I, I can't. I don't know, and yeah. I, I don't know what to do about it. Right, it's just how it is.
1: Yeah, forever and always.
0: <sighs> yeah. On some level, I'm probably trying to avoid um, starting this story. So, I, I, again, I know that we try not to spoil the outcome, but a lot of people are going to know the outcome just based on the title of this video and video, you know, this video. <laughs>
1: Our new <laughs> okay. venture.
0: Our new venture. No, please no. No, um, don't. People are going to know, like, based on the, like, just the flight number, um, that this is going to be a tougher episode. And I guess I just want to say that at the top, like, this is... A for one, um, and it's important, and uh, our BFF of the show, Stephen Jamberdino, requested it strongly, so here we are. All right. Yeah. Uh, so today, we are telling the story of uh, TWA 800, uh, so TWA is uh, Trans World Airlines, have you ever heard of that? I don't on, think on so, radar? no, no. Yeah, it was kind of like, it was a big carrier um, in like the 80s and 90s, and uh, they had 747s and all their ads and stuff, so, mm. you know, kind of like an iconic uh, airline. And uh, now, right now at JFK, there's like a TWA center, and I don't know what it is or what it's for. <laughs> I don't I don't oh, understand. Okay. I don't know if it's like the last thing hmm. left over from the airline or So they don't Uh, fly anymore at all? I don't think so. Like, it was Mm -hmm. one of those, like, really massive, like, if in 10 years, um, I mean, over the last few years, since 9-11, a lot of airlines have gone under, right? Like, Continental and U.S. Airways and, you know, a lot of things have gotten absorbed into other airlines. Um, And I don't know, we saw so much of that. But this is kind of like if one of the big, you know, the big three in the U.S., like United, Delta and American Airlines, like if one of those just, like, evaporated. Okay. Um, But uh, TWA 800, uh, the flight we're talking about, was on July 17th, 1996. And I realize that by the time this comes out, uh, we might be right around the anniversary of this, actually. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. So uh it is a seven four seven, the plane we're talking about. Um so, you know, a glorious, elegant, beautiful seven four seven. Uh an oldie but a goodie, like <laughs> yeah. born in nineteen sixty nine, you know. Okay. But it right. were built to last, baby. Right. Like, yeah. If it's not broke, don't fix it. I right. guess. <laughs> but <laughs> um and it's nineteen ninety six, so it's like a weird time, right? The the nineties in general are I mean, we talk about this all the time in our regular conversations. That like the '90s were like a very unique time, mm-hmm. just because like you're between the Cold War and 9/11, and yep. so you're in this like, uh, you know, you're b- between the two big like earth-shattering things in American history. So right, right. Uh, but there is a lot of a lot of terrorism stuff going on, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not like 9/11 just came out of nowhere, right? So. Um, there's a lot of different stuff, right? Like Oklahoma city bombing and, uh, Lockerbie, which we haven't talked about yet, but, um, there've just been a lot of different, a lot of different, uh, terrorist attacks and things like that around this time. And obviously one of the big ones is the first world trade center bombing, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So right now at this moment in July of 1996, they actually have in New York on trial Ramsey Ahmed Youssef, one of the guys who, who perpetrated the first world trade center bombing. Uh, So that trial is going on right at the same time. So like security is beefy, right? Security Mm. is everybody is like paying attention. Everybody's trying to, um, keep anything like that from ever happening again, which was a very noble endeavor um but not not successful in the end so uh the plane that we 're talking about right now um is there's uh two hundred and thirty passenger or two two hundred and thirty people mm-hmm. right two hundred and thirty people on board, two hundred and twelve passengers, fourteen flight attendants, and four pilots right which is it's an extra pilot, right? Even yeah. for a 747. Uh, so we've got Captain Ralph, uh, a check airman captain. So basically a captain who's um, checking out, making sure everybody's, you know, just doing a spot check, seeing how the pilots are doing, making sure that they're following procedure. Uh, his name is Steve. We have the flight engineer, Richard. And we have 25-year-old... Flight engineer, trainee, Oliver. So we've got... Which, like, is fascinating to me. Like, in 1996, I guess part of what I think about is, like, I don't know when they phased out flight engineers completely, but, like, being a young man who's, like, becoming a flight engineer on a 747 in 1996, I don't know, maybe it's, like becoming a TV repairman now. I don't know. Maybe I'm right, wrong. Maybe I'm drawing right, off. But, like, right. um, but uh, the plane uh, has uh, that we're talking about right now is going to fly out of JFK, so our home, right? Yeah. So uh, the aircraft actually arrived from Greece late, right? And because it arrived late, everybody is running around crazy trying to get the flight out on time, right? So uh, they're... There were, like, I don't, I really tried to figure this out. There was stuff like they were, like, upgrading passengers to first. They were offering passengers to fly on a later flight. Like, mm. they were doing a bunch of stuff that would make you think that the plane was full. Right. Um, the uh, 747 feets, like, seats, like, 400 people, right? Uh, and there's only 230 passengers on the plane. So I don't totally, I <laughs> could not find the reason for that. But the it was a rough day. Uh, At JFK for these gate agents, for the ramp guys, for everybody, right? Mm. Um, It was super hot, right? July, it's so hot right now. Like, yeah, July in New York City is crazy hot. Obviously, um, everybody is trying their best to turn the plane around as fast as they can because it's got to fly out to Rome via Paris. So it's going to fly to Paris and it's going to fly onward to Rome. So... uh, Everybody's doing what they can, and of course, on the day that you're, like, trying to catch up, of course, it's, like, a terrible day where everything goes wrong, right? So, on the way in, the engine three, so again, a 747 has four engines, so engine three, the thrust reversers didn't work when it landed, right? Mm. When it arrived from Greece, right? And, like, that's not okay, so we got to figure out why. So, there's, like, maintenance, looking at the engine, there's... um. Uh, Just a bunch of different, like, just little problems. The flight, the the gate agents, for whatever reason, are trying to like move people around. They like upgrade some people to first class, which is super nice. They uh, try trying to pay passengers to go on a later flight. Um, The it's a billion degrees. A tug breaks down, so a piece of the ramp equipment breaks down and is like preventing the plane from being able to push back. Right, which is just like. Oh my gosh, right. what a nightmare. And so they get everybody on the plane and that like they board and then uh there's a baggage, a piece of baggage in the cargo hold but the passenger isn't on the plane, which is like a huge mess. So again, this yeah. is not that long. Yeah, after Lockerbie. So if you right now fly from uh For example, Buffalo to New York City, and you check a bag for some reason, which just you shouldn't. But if you do. Right. And then you don't make your flight. The bag's probably going to go on without you. right? Right. It just it probably is. Maybe not, but probably. And I guess they've been more careful about this. Like we're on the street from what I've heard from people. I think they're a little more cautious about it now, but it's a domestic flight. And it's just kind of like. I don't know. What are you going to do, pal? But for international flights, uh, this is a big deal. Like you cannot ever do that. I've been on a plane that was delayed because the passengers were just somewhere and their bag was on the plane. And so they had to close the door to passengers. But then they had to get the bag off the plane, which is such a hassle. Oh, my God, like you, Yeah. Oh, my gosh. With Jal, that was like the biggest hassle. Because we a huge plane like that is going to have like all of the bags are in you know, big cargo bins or whatever. And so you have to, like, pull them out. You have to, like, figure out which one the bag is in, pull everything out. So they're trying to go through all of this. And uh, for, like, an hour, they're trying to figure this out. Like, the plane is, like, delaying, delaying, delaying. Uh, The passengers on the plane. Oh, my God. Exactly. The passengers just been on the plane the whole time. Passengers just been sitting there in a seat. And, like, I don't know what the dealio is. Like, God bless gate agents. I love you. That's a... It's on you, babe, right? Like that's like True. that's and now obviously now that's like a way more serious, like a very, very, very serious thing if you don't know who's on board the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe because it's so serious now, um, people are more cautious about it. I don't know. Whatever, whatever. And that's just like I kind of like I'm trying to figure out what happened, you know, friggin' 15 years later or whatever. And <laughs> or 25 years, geez, Louise, 25 yeah. years later. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and that's probably what I imagine them doing that. Like, okay, how did this happen? It's like, it doesn't matter. We got to get the plane out. Like, Yeah, we, right. So finally, 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 engine three is fixed. Everybody's on the plane that's supposed to be on the plane. The bags are on the plane. They fix the ramp equipment, get it out of there, right? They finally fix that. they're finally finally ready to go so on this like sweltering day right everybody has been sitting on the ramp on board the plane for more than an hour and i am positive some of the people listening to this have had this experience where you have sat on the runway in the plane on a super hot day you're on this literal frying pan of the tarmac being you know black the sun's beating down on you it's so so humid here in new york you're right on the water at jfk and uh they have the air conditioning like blasting the whole time um but the i i i think everybody has had this experience like the air conditioning doesn't really Feel like it's doing a lot until the plane is actually in the air. Right? right. So so while you're sitting there on the ramp, the air conditioning can just be like going full bore and you're still going to be hot. So now there's like plane of like, you know, I'm sure like reasonably irritated people um, are just ready to take off as they're wrapping up and getting the plane ready to go, they are obviously, like, fueling the plane up, right? So as they fuel the plane, we've talked about this before, there's kind of this, um, there's like a lot of math to try to figure out the right amount of fuel to bring right Mm -hmm. so the you you want to have enough fuel to get where you're going plus extra right at least enough to get you to your alternate airports um but you don't want to take so much because fuel is heavy so the more fuel you bring the more more fuel you burn so like for efficiency you try to take as little fuel as Is reasonable and the pilot has the the captain has the final say right Mm -hmm. um and as they're feeling it a 747 has uh five fuel tanks right they have two on each wing so there's there's like one per engine and then there's one like in the like the heart of the plane like if you imagine the wings are the arms so right like your sternum your heart there's like a, a, a a fuel tank under there right so as they're fueling the plane they um fill up all four tanks that are on the wings but they don't add any fuel to the center tank right Uh, the center tank when the plane arrived from Greece there was like a little baby bit of fuel left in the fuel tank in the center Um, but they're just they don't they don't need to fill it up anymore like they don't need them there's more than enough fuel to get to Paris right Mm -hmm. they're good they're fine so the tank is fueled The people are on board. The bags are on board. The tug is out of the way. The engine three is working, right? They turn on uh, engines one, two, and four. They let them run for 10 minutes. Then they start up engine three. Engine three is working. They're ready to roll. They uh, like taxi out. And at around 8.20 p.m., uh, almost an hour and a half late, um, they take off. Obviously JFK is very busy airspace, right? The mm-hmm. whole New York area, right? You've got three really large airports around there. Um you've got a military base that does their thing, right? You've got like a lot going on in this airspace. Obviously a ton of like private air, airports and like private uh, like helicopters and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There is like a um a little a little airport out on Long Island. There's a little airport uh like Teterboro or whatever, there's like just a ton going yeah. on, right? So the plane is, like, taking off and ascending and uh, trying to get its, you know, vectors out to head toward Paris. And uh, at around uh, 15,000 feet, so not at altitude yet, still, you know, in the—still real close to the airport, um, the pilots are flying the plane, and they— uh noticed some like just crazy readings on their fuel flow indicators and uh one of the pilots like says like oh like look look at this like crazy fuel f- <laughs> uh <laughs> this is so hard to say look at this crazy fuel flow indicator yeah right just like what's going on there see that and they're like yeah like that is yeah it's crazy right um but they're in the like it's still a sterile cockpit right they're talking about flying the plane whatever's going on with that doesn't is not an emergency right like mm-hmm. they're just, just gonna continue to fly uh at eight thirty one. The captain of an Eastwind Airlines flight, who's flying behind them, calls air traffic control and says, We just saw an explosion out there. Oh my God. There's a uh, Coast Guard helicopter that's running a training mission underneath TWA 800. And all of a sudden, just. Fire starts to rain down on him. Jeez. As the plane was ascending, there was a massive fireball explosion right under the heart of the plane. So the lower, the center of the plane between the wings, mm. underneath. Uh, as it exploded, the fuselage cracked. Oof. And the cracks ran up and around the plane so that the head of the plane, the front portion with the pilots in it, cracked off and just dove into the ocean. Jeez. The engines are still running. So the and the wings are still attached. So for a few moments the plane actually started to ascend, flaming headless up, 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 up before stalling and falling out of the sky. Jeez. That military helicopter uh, literally had to dodge flaming wreckage. uh, And they knew that, uh, like, plane had only been at 15,000 feet so like there could be survivors like it's a hot day the water is warm so the operator of the helicopter obviously gets out of there um, and gets people from the base like to come out and do search and rescue the uh, people on the shore could see this. So it was 8.30, it was dusky, and people could see this huge explosion. They were just off the coast of Long Island and could see the plane streaking up, you know, as it continued to fly for a few moments. People are like running out to try and uh, do search and rescue to try to find anybody who might have survived. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were, it made the news pretty fast. Uh, and, uh, we talked about how like, there's all these different pieces. So the, uh, there were two girls who had, uh, gotten, they were flying together. They were going to Paris. They had, uh, Gotten upgraded to first class Which is so cool Right But then after they got upgraded TWA asked them Like do you want to fly later And I don't know again What's going on with TWA That they're doing this But they were And they asked the girls Like do you want to fly later And uh, they were kind of like Ooh, I don't know, right? Like, first class is so cool. Like, first class on a 747 is right. my dream, right? And they were like, you know, we can fly later and they'll pay us cash, right? So, like, money yeah. or we can keep this flight and fly on first class. And they had, like, gone to a pay phone because it's 1996 and, like, called their parents and said, like, what do you think we should do? And, uh, their parents were like, I don't know, like, you know, go all the getting's good or whatever. And, uh, one of the girls' mothers had said, like, no, no, just like take first class. First class is so good. I'm sure it's what my uh, mom would say. I'm sure it's what my mom would say. Yeah. And so she saw the accident on the crash on the news. Oh my God. And there's no cell phones back then. And she called uh her daughter's friends parents right to see like hey did you hear anything like did they tell you if they were going to fly or wait like did you tell did they did you talk to them about this and they're like no we we didn't hear anything yet like what's going on and she tells them to turn on the news and so they figure out that their daughters were on that plane Hmm. and again at first like everybody was just thinking you know the plane wasn't that high. It crashed into water. It's a nice night. And, like, those parents were, like, talking about, like, I know my daughter's a really good swimmer. Oh, jeez, And, like... Just like praying that, you know, like that she, that they would be okay. There was like a, I think it's, I think it's Final Destination. I don't know. There's a movie that's kind of like loosely based on like the crash in that movie is like loosely based on TW 800. And uh, there was like a high school, like French club team. Yeah. Andy Warhol's husband or partner was on the plane. Like this is a plane full of people, right? Like people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oliver, like, new, becoming a flight engineer, and uh, nobody survived. Oh, jeez. Nobody survived. So, so it's 1996, right? And people are worried about terrorism. Um, and when people on the shore saw the headless plane, like streaking up, it looks like a bomb, right? Like it right. looks like a missile. I'm not even going to like entertain the idea for even a second that that's what happened. I'm going to be like, that's pretty much every coverage of this story, uh like alludes to the idea because at the time, yeah, a lot of people thought it was terrorism or there's like a very, very present, ongoing conspiracy theory that it was the the Coast Guard or the Navy or somebody was running military tests and they accidentally shot it down. I'm not, even for one second, going to, like, even entertain that idea, okay? Yeah. So we know what caused this crash, and it wasn't that. So, and I'm, like, not hating on anybody who loves conspiracies. Like, it's a good time. I love learning about that stuff, too. It can be really fun, but, like... I don't know it just makes me feel (laughs) yeah it can also be the worst
1: thing ever it's like there's there's no middle with conspiracy theories
0: right and i just feel like it's i don't know like no we know what happened and it's terrible Right. right? right like so and i understand why people thought that so obviously like every investigative body like just descended on this incident right so the fbi the ntsb the crc nypd so the um counterterrorism unit or whatever of the nypd um like all of them are just like all over this right so the ntsb like definitely has a place here right for sure um and the fbi is investigating to see if it's a crime is it terrorism right and um, they interviewed, like, everybody, right? Like, they interviewed everybody who saw anything. They interviewed everybody's families. Like, they interviewed everything they could to try to see. They waited to see if anybody just claimed responsibility for it, right? Like, they they really, really, really researched this. And uh, the NTSB, meanwhile, is also looking for the same thing. So uh, one thing, they do do this sometimes, and I think it's such, like, an interesting I don't know, like anybody who loves puzzles. Uh, like I think about my mom and mother-in-law who both like love puzzles, right? Yeah. And my sister-in-law too. The women of my life all <laughs> yeah. like puzzles. So the um, what they did was they literally like collected like every single solitary scrap of debris, anything from the plane, right? And they uh, like literally reassembled it. Like they had wow. a, a frame of a 747 of a 747 Jeez. and put the entire thing back together with everything that they could. Anything they found, they're putting it back together. And um, like, I am not an expert in this, but the people who are experts in this, right? During that process, looking at the debris, pretty much knew like pretty early on, there's just no evidence that this was a bomb, right? The mm-hmm. stuff... That goes into a bomb is not here. The the effect that a bomb has is not here. Like nothing about this says bomb except explosion, right? Which I get. Like I understand the pilot of that Eastwind Airlines flight uh, who was behind the plane. Of course, he thought it was a bomb. It's an explosion, right? right. Like, there's nothing wrong with with having with associating explosions with bombs. Checks out, <laughs> right? But they they reassembled it and um they like had to take all of the different, so once they pretty much felt like there's just no evidence that this is a bomb, right? Then they have to like take all, like the whole picture into account, right? And so obviously at the beginning of the story, we went into way more detail about like the little nitty gritty stuff that we normally do because that's what they had to do to figure out what happened, right? So the the long and short of it is um, jet fuel is not, flammable right i mean obviously it's it's kind of flammable because engines work but like it's not you can drop a match in in a bucket of jet fuel and nothing will happen i guess i would not try it right yeah (laughs) it needs to be it needs to be like at a certain whatever i don't know but but it's not like a spark won't ignite jet fuel like that right a flame will obviously because otherwise you get it so um but just like a little random spark isn't going to do it so, uh, they could see that what blew up was that center fuel tank, right? Uh, and they knew from the records, the fueling records, that that plane, that center fuel tank, hadn't been refilled when they were when they arrived at JFK, mm-hmm. right? But it had been filled from Greece to JFK, so there was like this little, like, centimeter of fuel. In that center tank Mm -hmm. and it was a super hot day and the plane sat there on the tarmac for two hours or whatever um which isn't amazing but that's not hot enough like you can't it won't cook to that extent right they said you know it just should never get that hot that it would actually evaporate because if jet fuel evaporates then the vapor is very 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 flammable and a little spark can totally ignite jet fuel vapor, right? Mm -hmm. So they didn't understand why. Okay, so it's crazy hot, but it's not that hot. It's not vaporized jet fuel hot, right? Uh, But they looked at the way that this 747 was designed. And uh, so they had the air conditioning blasting, right, to try to keep the passengers comfortable. And the air conditioning unit sits directly on top of that center fuel tank. Mm -hmm. And anybody who has an air conditioner knows that air conditioners bless us by providing us with cool air, but they get super hot themselves, Mm -hmm. right? So what they basically landed on is that the combination of like the ambient heat, the fact that the jet fuel was such like a, a small layer of jet fuel, and the air conditioning unit being stacked right on top of it, that that actually did heat up the, the fuel to the level that it vaporized, Jeez. right? And that still doesn't answer the question about like, well, okay, so you have an explosive now on the plane, which is not good, but why did it ignite, right? right? So they examined the wiring, and there are miles of wires on a 747 miles and miles and the plane blew up. Right. So like, I cannot imagine being the person who's like reassembling, like the wiring from the plane and inspecting every inch of that wiring. And basically what they landed on is it's old wiring from a long time ago. And it, it, uh, the long and short of it is the old wiring caused an arc, caused a short circuit over the fuel tank, and just, like, all of these different pieces, all of these little disparate tiny decisions, tiny factors, this and that. Mm-hmm. And it ignited, and the plane blew up and fell into the ocean. And everybody died. Mm. Yeah. Jeez. I'll. In. I will also say this: like, bless you. If you have proof that it was a missile, I'm all for hearing it. But I will also say that, besides the fact that it's so unnecessary for it to be a missile, like we right. have the reason why it happened. Right. But also the the pilots got the crazy fuel reading mm-hmm. a couple seconds or like whatever, ten seconds, fifteen seconds before. So, like, the the fuel problem, the only thing that you could possibly expect the pilots to see ahead of time, they saw and commented on, right? And if they hadn't commented on that, if they had just not spoken that, if they hadn't said that out loud, uh, like, that would give the conspiracy theories more room to flourish or whatever. But with the pilots seeing that, like, a, a an an errant Navy missile is not going to give you a fuel warning a few seconds before. Right. right? No. Yeah. So, uh, it took me a long time to figure out how to tell this story. Um, and I might've just like stuck it on the back burner, but, uh, there's like a detail of this story so that, uh, that tug that broke down, on the tarmac, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> reminded me of something. So, Mariah, you know, I've we've talked about this before already, but it's more something that I want to share with everyone else. Um, so, I, I worked at JFK still uh, in 2019, and um, while I was there, a ramp worker in another terminal was killed. And it always really stuck in my head because at the time, so uh, at the time, he, the way people talked about it, I mean, I I don't want to make the impression that anybody was cruel or anything like that at all, because nobody was, it was devastating. Everyone Mm -hmm. was very, 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 it's, it's horrible. It's gruesome, right? Like you work with ramp guys. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to have happen. And it really bugged me at the time that it wasn't news. I don't know. It just yeah. bothered me. And I guess nothing was news for four years, but like, you right. know, except yeah. the one big news all the time. Right. But, but there's like one article that I found. And the reason why I found the article is because two ramp guys were killed on the ramp in one week that Jeez. year. Like in one week. So in August of 2019, two ramp workers were killed. And I know we've, so I I just, so, I I mean, I actually worked at JFK. And so I had the opportunity to talk to some people about what happened. And um, I just wanted to, I don't know, talk about this because so uh, like Charlie Moe, it's short for Charlie Muhammad. So Charlie Moe had worked for Delta for 19 years Mm. So he was like a company man, right? Career guy. And he um, people referred to him as the hardest working person they'd ever, 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 ever met. Mm-hmm. And the people who said that, it what stands out to me is people work really 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 hard at the airport like the ramp guys the ramp girls the ramp folks work so 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 hard it is such a brutal job it there's so much time crunch there's so much like the physicality of that job is so intense august august in new york imagine being oh on the ramp God. in august no no I think about, like, there's a thing, Delta, if you're going, Delta doesn't let you check your dog or cat. Like, your pet can't be checked in the hot months because they basically say, like, you you have no idea how hot it's going to get, right? Right, It's You're going to cook your pet. Like, no. But the ramp guys are getting cooked. Like, you know, it's just, it's, and in the winter, obviously, in Buffalo, I just remember, you know, it's complete whiteout conditions. You can't see, you can't see the runway, which is something that's usually right there from Buffalo. And the ramp people are out there just like sloshing through snow. So, so people, so I I say it to say like, ramp workers are already extremely hardworking and people who, who work super hard themselves made a huge point of saying like, no, 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 no. Like Charlie... all of us to shame Mm. Charlie worked harder than anybody and so uh, Charlie was loading up um, uh, human remains actually so uh, a casket Um, he somebody's um, somebody that somebody loved had died and they were bringing their body to another location and uh, Charlie had wanted had to hook the tug up to the cart that was carrying the human remains and he hopped off the tug to go and hook it to the cart and the there's like whatever debate whatever over whether or not the um was the parking break up, was this up was that up whatever that's unknowable at this point right but It didn't move. The tug didn't move when he got off it, right? It didn't move while he was hooking up the cart at first, right? But then it did move because it jumped a gear Mm. into reverse and crushed him between the tug and the cart. And nobody saw anything. Nobody was there because Charlie worked super hard Mm -hmm. and was trying to get this plane out on time. And the tug kept, it was in reverse. It was still going and it kept driving into him. And until it was on top of him Mm -hmm. crushing him Mm -hmm. and it stayed there. So it's August in New York on the tarmac and nobody's around Mm -hmm. like nobody sees what's happened until a passenger sees and the passenger tells a flight attendant and the flight attendant tells the captain and the captain calls the tower and the tower calls ems but all of that time is just lost yeah and and when they finally got there to help him uh, they had to use a forklift to mm. lift the tug off of him and they say he died on the way to the hospital mm. um that's i don't know it's more horrible to think that than it is to think that i don't know yeah but, like, he just should not have died, right? right and when right. I was working at JFK, when I was over there, right, at, at in a different terminal for a different airline, right, but everybody's obviously talking about this because it's a horrifying, terrifying thing, when uh, the ramp guys who I worked with at a different airline, right, said we never, ever, ever turn the tugs off because they might not start back up. Jeez. Right? They might not start back up, and if they don't start back up, now your flight's delayed and now you're getting in trouble. So the official rules are that you turn the tug off every time you get off of it, but no one ever does that. And the companies know that no one is doing that. They know that nobody's doing that, and they don't do anything. They don't tell people to do it. They don't enforce the rule Mm. because they know that if you turn off the tug, it might not start up again, and they don't want their planes to be delayed.
1: Right. And why is that just because of the, okay, it's bad old machinery or.
0: I mean, it it gets, I mean, it's machinery that just goes through just an incredible amount of um, wear and tear, right? Obviously it's out in the elements all the time. And I've heard that for other things. I've heard that for, I think that's the thing with um, buses, city buses Mm. and um, school buses. I remember I worked at a, my life is very weird, and I worked at a bus yeah. depot in Buffalo <laughs> for a God, while. Yeah. And, what a wild and, time! Oh my gosh! But the um, so that idea, I think. some Oh, I think fire trucks have that rule. Like, there's different things that have that rule that you leave it running because if you turn it off, it might not start back up. Jeez. And and again, that's not a f- official policy, but in practice, that's what everyone's doing. And at the time that I worked at JFK, that's what the ramp guys that I talked to who, again, weren't people who worked at Delta, um, Mm -hmm. but they were so angry because they said, like, yeah, they're going to blame him. They're going to blame the ramp guy. They're going to say it's his fault he didn't turn off the tug, so it's his fault. We did nothing wrong and just move on. And I will say that Delta uh, got, like, new I don't think they got new tugs, but they got new sensors where um, now at JFK, if you're sitting on the tug, um, it, it can be on with with your weight, right? Mm. And if you hop off it, it automatically turns off. And I'm glad that they made that change. But half of what I think of is like, okay, so now guys are going to be putting something heavy on yeah. there so they can keep working. and And I hope that's not happening. Right. And I hope that they are, I mean, because they don't they wouldn't do that because they don't care because they're flipping, but because there's so much pressure to get the plane out on time. Right. Right. And yeah. So I don't know. I just really wanted to tell that story because. Yeah. TW800 did not crash because of the the ramp equipment breaking down. Like, that's not what happened. It was one piece in a chain of horrible events that yeah. were really decades in the making. But it was one of those links. Right that was also a link in this young man's death in 2019. And yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know Charlie Moe. I don't know his family. Um, But I just really, really, really um,
1: think that people should know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, especially because it didn't, it got no coverage essentially. And we've talked about mm-hmm. this a little bit before about Ramp Guys specifically. Is mm. there is a certain risk that comes along with their job that I don't think is given enough credit either during the hiring process. I mean, obviously I don't know the ins and outs of what they the training is like or anything like that. Um but considering their pay grade, I would say it's probably not taken that seriously that it's a very dangerous job. Right? Like that's kind of what we've talked about before.
0: Yeah.
1: For the responsibility that they have and the amount of pressure and the amount of work that they're doing. Like the pay grade, like I'm not saying that like ramp guys Even are underappreciated. Exactly. Like they're not I'm You're not saying I'm yeah. not calling them poor. <laughs> I'm saying that they're uh like it's just one of those jobs that's incredibly underappreciated and they are not compensated for the amount of work and responsibility that they have to get planes into the air on time. Like, you know, they're a part of this chain yeah. of of processes to get an, an airplane going. Um, yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's just like something that's totally forgot. And like people, a lot of ramp people, not a lot, but people on the ramp die. You know, that is, yeah. it is a possibility on this job that is not necessarily a possibility for, I don't know, a cashier at Target or something like that. Like there's, and obviously, I mean, you can kind of assume that those aren't comparable, but I don't think it's given enough weight, the danger and the, yeah, just like the appreciation for this specific role.
0: Right. Well, I mean, it's not like, delta could pay them all 100 bucks an hour if they wanted to so that's what makes right. me mad it's not right. like it's not like you're hurting and that's why you can't handle it or whatever and nobody sent me math saying that delta couldn't afford to pay them 100 an hour i don't want the math don't <laughs> yeah, send me no. the math but like the the uh, i think that i think that the blame thing so there's kind of like these two parallel things in aviation where one is um that there's a that there's an understanding that safety is created by a culture of thinking about safety. Mm. Right. So if the like pilots are sticklers, right, they want pilots to be sticklers. They want flight attendants to be sticklers. They want gate agents to be paying attention. They want the ramp guys to be paying attention. Like they want everybody to be thinking about safety and to be focused on safety. And that's what creates a safe workplace. And I think that some people in aviation benefit from that in a and are and our, our function within that better than others. And what I mean by that is like I think that um, that like pilots a pilot doing something like like cutting corners on safety to take off on time is is really pretty unheard of these days, right? And part of that is pilots are less concerned about the plane being on time. Pilots are concerned about the plane being on time. I've had amazing pilots who like really supported getting the plane out on time but they did it as like a favor to me as the gate agent because right. my like job is on the line. Like I'm going to be in trouble if this plane is one minute late whereas like thank God they don't want pilots to be worried about that. They don't want pilots to be cutting corners and skipping walk mm-hmm. and saying no it's fine to take off. So the culture of safety that pilots are encouraged to have right part of that process is like not making getting the plane out on time the most important thing Mm. like making safety the most important thing and I think about like I don't know how many ramp folks like listen to us but the um, like FOD <laughs> I don't even I don't remember what it even stands for foreign object debris maybe it, mm-hmm. it means like junk on the runway like mm-hmm. little, little like candy wrappers or like um, the caps from a pop or whatever like mm-hmm. things on the runway that shouldn't be there rocks serious anything right because those little things don't look like anything sitting there on the tarmac but if an engine if it gets ingested into an engine and shot at at you at hundreds of miles an hour then it's like a bullet all of a sudden right, right. or it could mess up the plane obviously so uh, at buffalo something i will say is that like there was like a serious culture of like no fod on the runway like you see something like you see a little pebble you're picking up that pebble right and i've had ramp guys tell me that other places it's not like that like the culture of safety so there's it's there's something localized about it right mm-hmm. where the local culture around safety is is what keeps you safe and But part of that just is, you can't do that by yourself, right? Like you need everybody to be in on it, including your employer, right? And so I'm glad, I'm glad that Delta made that change and got tugs that turn off when you hop off of them. And they better not turn around and blame the ramp if the flight's delayed because a tug broke down right right and And again, I don't know if that was the deal with... with, That's what the ramp guys who I worked with said. That's what they identified as the reason. So I worked at a different airline, not Delta, and they identified the reason why you leave the tugs on as fear that it will not turn back on, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's other reasons, including just it's an extra step, right? It's an extra step and you're doing so many different things and balancing so many different things and just like running around trying to just just balance all these different tasks. And yeah. yeah. So I don't know. A lot of people died in this episode and yeah. it's really, really sad. And mm. I think that stories like, I'm very glad that a lot has been written that you can right now go on um, because TW 800, because the explosion was visible from the land. Um, and because it is such a, I don't just a, a disturbing and different like visually it's something that that benefits from being experienced visually so if you go online yeah. right now like there's a ton of like re, like animations and like recreations of this and yeah I mean if this is a story that you want to like deepen your your empathy for that's a really good way to do it there's been a ton written about it and there's been nothing written about Charlie Moe, and I just really wanted to tell the story. Yeah. See, yeah. But, yeah. Jeez. I hope his family is okay.
1: Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. God. And that's that's kind of what I mean. Like you don't. I'm just thinking. I don't know. Like you don't think. Oh, I'm gonna go work at the airport today. Like I could die. You know that shouldn't be yeah like you're not going into the air, that shouldn't be a concern, and I know like accidents happen and things happen, and blah blah blah, but, hmm. I don't know,
0: I think there's probably a lot of jobs that we like under appreciate how dangerous they are yeah i and i I think that um I don't know, like and transportation is full of those jobs, mm-hmm. right really, like any yeah. kind of transportation is like packed. To the rafters with um, really, I don't know. I think transportation yeah. is a very hard field to work in. And yeah. people want to be on time. Mm-hmm. And everybody else wants you to be on time too. But that just in general, I think there's so many jobs that are, like where the, I don't know, where the, The hazards or, like, the traumas or the things that can happen are Mm -hmm. just, like, so invisible to everybody
1: else. Right. And I think sometimes intentionally so. I mean, like, Mm. societal systems are so complex now. Like, we're not, you know, trying to survive for food. Like, generally, the society is not, like, hunting food and, you know, growing vegetables and trying to survive. Like, there's extremely complex systems that are all designed to seem flawless and like yeah. you don't you don't think about it i mean even like the subway system or the garbage system or like you know and like apply it mm. to anything that mm-hmm. is just like it's just a so, like society of convenience and it takes right. away that like human appreciation for it and re- like you know instead you're mad that like a service is not being provided and it's like right Let's just take a step back, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, I remember being so angry at passengers. And, like, I'm a passenger, too, sometimes, right? Like, I get it. But I remember, like, pink tag bags um, are bags where there's, like, a little trunk or whatever on the plane like a little cargo hold and it's for on really small planes where your bag won't fit in the um overhead compartment Mm -hmm. like a normal size carry-on bag won't fit yeah so it goes into like they throw it on at the last minute and they give it back to you right when you get off the plane right Mm -hmm. um and i remember like it was just pouring rain like torrential torrential rain right and i was um like I was the gate agent so I was taking the bags one by one from the ramp agent and people were like why is my bag wet oh and my it was God, just like die. like no right, just like I'm like just set me on fire right now like I'm so angry and and what again what made me mad about it is like you have the audacity to ask me why your bag is wet because it was outside for a second that's the reason just like for clarity so to answer your question it's because for a moment your bag was outside right and it's raining outside because the plane is outside so (laughs) but b like I have to hear somebody saying that while I'm looking at a ramp guy who is like never going to be dry again right and has to pick the bags up one by one one and i don't know like humans humans touch every part of your life Mm -hmm. like a human being had to touch all of that and so like you said like just thinking like am i getting the service i expected without any thought at all about the person on the other side of that Mm -hmm. is well you're right there's there is an element to it which that is just how we're all so siloed Mm -hmm. from one another yeah right like you don't you don't and obviously it comes up in all kinds of ways, but like the people who those human hands that touched the things that you, the services that you receive and the goods that you get mm-hmm. are maybe thousands of miles away. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah. Mm. I can, I can tell a lighter story. <laughs> to set us free and then we can hear
1: your and then you can hear your facts. god my fact would be so good for this episode but i think it's just too much i think it's it's too much yeah i think I, it's too I much i support you
0: Ugh. use your best judgment but no i have i, loved, I, have, a, I have a different you love quick garbage fact. man when you were a kid
1: i did you know our garbage men it's so funny our garbage men in our neighborhood always came at like 6 a.m so we never, it was more oh, of like, yeah, super, super early. So it was like, I don't know, more of an annoyance when I became a teenager, like waking up at 6 a.m. <laughs> to the sounds of garbage, <laughs> yeah. but being like, yep. okay, all right, this is fine. It's only once a week. We can do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, But no, oh I, I didn't. Like, there's so many videos online of like kids being obsessed with their garbage men. And it's yes. always so cute. It's so cute.
0: I was... I loved them so much. I can't even explain it. I just loved them.
1: It's amazing. I mean, like, holy cow. Look up. I mean, look up any garbage system. Like, wherever you live, look it up. It's crazy. But the New York City system for garbage, I think we may have talked about it on an episode. Holy cow. Holy cow. Like, it makes me. Yeah, it's so complex. It's so concerning. Like. I know. Oh, God. I just can't help but feeling like all of this is just going to implode very soon one day. I don't know. I don't know. It just feels like it has to. Same thing with like the, like the electrical grid. Like it's amazing to me that, I mean, we talked about this the other day. Like it's amazing to me that cities don't explode just from like, I mean, everyone's got their AC cranked. Like I just, I don't know. It's crazy to me. Yeah. Just, this is,
0: this is our celebration of labor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah. Everybody, I don't know. Be Just, I don't know. Like, yeah. So when, if, if, if we do get a power outage here, or if you get a power outage where you are, I guess I say that with like some reservation, because mm-hmm. I think some of you might live in countries where power outages are like
1: pretty normal. Yeah. And yeah.
0: Or like a, maybe a political duel, I don't know, but mm-hmm. and so, um, if that's the case, then that's bad, but yeah. but if if that's not the case, I don't know, like just appreciate your people. if your plane is late, I'd suck yeah. so bad, I really do feel bad, I felt bad every single time, every single time, it sucks so bad, yeah. but like it is not a, this is not happening to punish you, right. like this is just. A fact because you live in the world where there's a million moving parts Mm -hmm. and, and we want to minimize actual danger. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Did you have a backup? Did you have a backup? I do have a backup fact. Um, So Ty and I have been watching the NBA finals for the first time in our marriage. Uh-huh. And so that's been like a new fun thing that we're doing. I've never watched basketball. Do you watch basketball at all? I've never watched basketball. No. Like, did your dad ever watch basketball?
0: Apparently he did. I Uh-oh. never in my life. I, my dad is probably going to listen to this. Father, <laughs> hey. I have never in my entire life seen you watch basketball. Yeah. But my dad was horrified to learn this because he asked me if I'm following the Nets. And I was like, <laughs> what is this sentence? <laughs> like, no, I'm not following. And he's like, oh, I've been watching out. it. Yeah. D- there you go didn't know but yeah. <laughs> I mean go nuts or right. buy nuts I, <laughs> I don't watch basketball I think yeah. it's an amazing I think I think every glimpse of basketball I've ever seen is like wow look at these look at this yeah. what a thing and like yeah I, it's that's dramatic
1: it. it's, it's way more dramatic like Ty was just watching it and at the end of each game I'd be like oh man this is this is a nail biter like this is really close so we yeah ca- it kind of turned into a thing organically which has been nice um because I mean, he's never like he. This is the first time w- actually watching the finals all the way through. Um, mm. and he kind of got into basketball a few years ago when he moved to New York. Um, so this is a basketball fact <laughs> that I learned while watching Love it. Uh, the NBA Finals. So, um, you remember, even though you you don't, we neither of us have experience in basketball, you know who Shaquille O'Neal is, of course. I
0: do know who Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> is, of course. yes. Yeah.
1: Um, so in his career, he scored 28,596 points in the NBA. Whoa. Of those points, so of those 28,500 points, only one was a three-point shot. Really? Yeah. Only one shot was a three-point shot. Isn't that crazy? That's
0: fascinating. Yeah.
1: I mean, that is it's so interesting. I think it has to do with his position or whatever. I'm not. I don't. Um, not yeah. into all the details. Trust me. <laughs> but uh, no. they were talking about they have like a Shaquille O'Neal and a few other players have, like retired players have a show, a uh, halftime show, and they were talking about it and. I was like, no, certainly. I mean, he's saying it himself, and I'm like, not believing him. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that can't be right. Yeah. But it can't be right. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. That's fascinating. It's crazy. Yeah. I know. I was shocked. Yeah. So that's a harder
0: way to rack up those points. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I do think I, hmm shaquille o'neal is just like a hero of our childhood yeah you know so yeah. even like not watching basketball it's just like
1: the olympics are coming up so
0: oh yeah we're about to get real... to... oh japan <laughs>
1: yeah i'm excited Make i'm it. really excited to get so patriotic i was just gonna say it's the most patriotic time in four years (laughs) it's terrible
0: i know five Uh, so i'm happy yeah geez now it's i know i just remember like working for jowl like there was so much excitement Mm -hmm. about the about the Olympics being held there. Yeah. And I had, at one point, I had an Olympic because someone gave it to me as a gift because giving oh. gifts is a thing. Yeah. So a passenger gave me an Olympics, like a Tokyo Olympics pin. Oh my gosh. And, um, and then I gave it away as a gift to someone else. Oh.
1: <laughs> I it was a I'm 2020 sure. pin? Yeah, it was a 2020. Oh, pin. I bet you that pin and is, know, is that worth a been... lot of money. Dang it. That's okay. That's a good. Point. I mean, it's fine whoever else has it's it neutral. is yeah fine they probably like it they probably love yeah. it they wear it all the time they're definitely wearing it now this olympics are about to start so i guess so
0: yeah good point <laughs> no i love i really like the olympics Same, yeah. um yeah we can maybe we'll do a hangout guys do you want to watch the olympics together yeah that could be fun
1: yeah it's very off-brand but like it could be fun <laughs> you can hear our professional <laughs> opinions about absolutely nothing yeah we can watch boxing. Yeah, there we go. You
0: know a lot about baseball. You know a lot I about know baseball. A lot of baseball I yeah, yeah. We can watch. We can watch stuff. <laughs> we can dabble. We can watch. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking about the like our darling friends and looking at all of your beautiful backyards, and I really want like David, David, our dear darling friend, BFF of the show. I really want uh, to pick the uk yeah should we pick should we narrow it or no just we the UK, want david
1: <laughs> need no but i do I, that's the truth <laughs> right
0: but like but yes uk as a whole yeah. right yeah. any of you we love all of you and there it's really really cool that that there are more of you than just david like yeah. so we Maybe. yeah so if you live in the uk i think this is meant to be a nice time of year for you so yeah we're very see jealous those backyards yeah oh i know I think it's mild. You're jealous. I don't know. I'm if I'm jealous. jealous. You're yeah, jealous. you are not jealous. Yeah. The other no. thing I
1: I want to bring up. We can cut this if you don't want it to air. But, um, hmm. I had heard that uh, we have a, a pretty decent fan base in Buffalo, <laughs> and oh. clearly, but not clearly, because <laughs> it's like still shocking to me that our family and friends listen. Which thank you very much for doing this. Um. Yeah. But I've been getting a lot of personal private requests that I keep forgetting to tell you about, about the the crash in Buffalo. And um, I just want to say we will cover it eventually. It's going to take a bit of time to work up to it, I think. But we will get to it's, it, right? We can, it's, That's something that we, we definitely can promise. Will. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's one. It's probably the one we've talked about the most because obviously that one is not such a surprise to mariah i don't you don't know the like ins and outs of what caused it but you know quite a bit about it
1: yeah yeah and i've read the um it's not the atc the other one oh the ntsp yeah I've, I've uh no no oh, you no did. The, the uh the transcript of the oh, pilots Oh, the cvr transcript. cvr yeah, yeah 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 i read that yeah so That's i but i don't know the mechanics of it or anything like that
0: yeah yeah, we d- we'll definitely do that one. Um it's just a matter
1: of um
0: I don't know, like it's an important one.
1: Yeah, I mean it's an important one for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um well thank you for telling Charlie's story. I think it's yeah. it's really important that that gets told. And it's yeah. it's really I mean it's disappointing that it wasn't covered more.
0: I think people find find a way to grieve. I mean my boss at JFK the person who who hired me to work there died very suddenly and like you work so tightly like these are such intense jobs and you like work so 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 tightly with the people you work with and the um you have to grieve like in the in the place where you knew the person and Mm. with people who you, who worked with them and like in the place in Charlie's case, like in the place where he died, like you have to work in the place where he died. And I don't know. I hope that, I don't know. Yeah. I hope his family's okay. And I hope if you, if you work on the ramp in general, obviously we love you. But if you worked uh, at JFK on the ramp, and knew Charlie, if, your charlie's family member or anybody who loved or cared about him like i'm sorry this happened and it shouldn't have it just shouldn't have happened yeah yeah so but we love all of you so so much Mm -hmm. and i love you mariah i love you too casey yeah we'll see y'all next week referenced that two men were killed on the ramp uh, the same week that Charlie Moe, the man we spoke about, was killed. Uh, For clarity, it wasn't two people at JFK. The other man who was killed uh, was Kendrick Hudson. He was killed while working on the ramp in Charlotte. I know we've been covering some heavier stories over the last weeks. Thank you so much for valuing. The lives of the people and the stories we tell. I hope that you're taking tender, loving care of yourself, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, If you notice anything we got wrong, uh, or want to reach us for any reason, you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com, or find us on Instagram and TikTok. When I was editing the episode, our hearts go out to his family and everyone who loved him, and everyone working with him that day.